Welcome back to 20s and where to find them. I'm G. And I'm Lena. And this is a podcast about navigating the best and the worst period of your life. Your 20s. Join us as we discuss personal stories, lived experiences, and chat to you and others about this wild part of life. Woo! (laughs) Welcome back to 20s and where to find them. Um, today we have our special guest Erin on with us. Erin uh, is a teacher who I met during my Master of Teaching. Erin got married three years ago when COVID was just kicking off. So her wedding of 80 people, which I was happily invited to, was cancelled less than a week before it was supposed to happen. Um, she was married with just her partner, a celebrant and two witnesses. Erin has a beautiful one-year-old named Violet and is the reason she's in the studio with us today. Welcome to the show, Erin. How are you? Thanks, Lena. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm a little bit tired. (laughs) I was just telling (laughs) Lena that I went out last night until 1am, which has not happened in a long time. (laughs) So forgive me if I am, yeah, a little bit tired, but otherwise good. I'm glad. Yeah. (laughs) I'm also feeling quite tired. <laughs> this is a uh, this episode will come out a few weeks after the fact, but um, I did the Oxfam Trail Walker on a Friday and through into Saturday, so did uh, 26 hours straight of walking 100 kilometres. Um, so my brain is functioning at about 20 percent but happy to be here Yay! excited <laughs> excited that this involves sitting not walking yes <laughs> Lots and of sitting. also that is practice for when you have a child yeah your Just brain not functioning <laughs> <Yeah>. being exhausted <laughs> welcome welcome to motherhood <laughs> yay <laughs> well erin do you want to kick us off with a highlight of your week Okay, well, as I said, I went out for dinner last night um, and it was a birthday dinner. It was all the way in Brighton, which is a little bit far away for me being on the north side, but um, it was a really fun night. Um, I drove, so I didn't get that drunk, but (laughs) a little bit of champagne, delicious Greek food. That was a massive highlight this week for me because we just don't get out anymore now that we have a baby. Mm, That's nice. (laughs) I love Greek food. Oh, me too. Mm. And Brighton is such a lovely area too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah. A little bit bougie. Mm -hmm. Very bougie. (laughs) That's me. (laughs) (laughs) But not. (laughs) What was your highlight, Lena? My highlight was on Thursday, there was a torrential downpour and a lot of students at school came to school absolutely drenched. (laughs) And one of my old students, I saw her walking around with a wet jacket on and all she was wearing was the jacket and like a tank top underneath and I was like oh this poor student is probably so cold and I said to her do you want to borrow my cardigan for the rest of the day and I will try and dry your jacket for the end of the day and she was like oh yes that would be lovely and so I did that for her and that was my highlight because she was just so happy about it (laughs) that's so wholesome (laughs) (laughs) that was my highlight Yeah. Yeah. yeah what about you G to cheat a little bit the highlight and my low light <laughs> was the walk. <laughs> I think it was very full of uh, emotional highs and um, some really challenging, low, tough points. Um, but I think the absolute highlight of it was I completed it with uh, three other really strong women. And I was lucky enough that I didn't get any like crazy blisters or like injuries throughout the walk, but two of my teammates did. And watching them like power on and still finish was honestly so inspiring. And I think like a true 
um, testament to how much like grit and determination that they possess. And I think there are not many people I know or just like in general that have that mental um, strength. And so I was like, that was really awesome to be mm. witness to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you had a 50-50 chance that's of right. getting ballistic <laughs> or an injury. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think the low light, my low light was definitely like the 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. in the morning, like walking through this dark forest and just like seeing like fern after fucking fern <laughs> and being like, when is this going to end? I'm so deliriously tired. Um, and yeah, that was, that was tough. That was the toughest part. But... We were met at that checkpoint with one of the girls' partners brought us hash browns and Macca's coffee, oh. and I've never been so happy to see fried potato in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my low light was the fact that it got so cold this week, mm. and I hate cold weather. <laughs> it was so sad saying goodbye to summer, warm weather, nice weather, um, the rain, and yeah, just not loving it. And this morning as well, didn't want to get out of bed. It was too cold. Didn't mm. like it. Massive low light. I'm kind of loving it. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell by your massive green turtleneck jumper. <laughs> um, my low light was that, again, I tried to do a good deed for a student, but this one didn't end up so well. Um, my student lost their lock and I was like, I'll buy you a new lock. And I bought her one that had numbers um, so that way she wouldn't lose her key. And then I went and broke that lock by putting in some random numbers and it locked itself and I don't know what the combination is. And she probably looked at me like, what is this teacher <laughs> doing? Making it worse. And so I've just spent $27 for nothing. No. Surely you can reset it. I think I've, I think it's broken. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Shattering. Oh, dear. This is our icebreaker jam jar of questions. Ooh, Would you okay. Like to pull one out. Yes. And I'll uh, go from the middle. If you're having a bad day, what is one thing that always makes you feel better? Usually my bad days are also cold days, as you guys know. <laughs> Don't like the cold weather. So I guess just like making a cup of tea, maybe having a bit of chocolate, just sitting on the couch for 10 minutes, not doing anything <laughs> makes my day a lot better because if anyone out there who's listening has a child, they probably know that you don't get very much time to yourself. So actually finding a little bit of time to yourself is amazing. That's so simple. I love it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I reckon that's like a general highlight of winter as well. It's mm. just like making tea, sitting on the couch and Sorry if this is a bit rubbing it in your face, but opening a book. <laughs> Enjoy it. Well, well. <laughs> Enjoy it for me. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about having children in your 20s and Erin's um, going to be sharing some of her insight, wisdom, advice and um, what it's like to be a mum in your 20s. Yeah. yeah. Erin, yeah. take it away. Well, I mean, there's not much else to say more than what Lena told you guys. Um, yeah, I got married a few years ago. I had my daughter a year ago. And it's just, I don't know, I guess motherhood is difficult no matter what age you are. And so we are specifically talking about, I guess, being like a younger mum or like a mum in your 20s. But I think a lot of the stuff that I'm going to say is probably universal to if you're a teen mum in your 30s, your 40s, like it's just, um, yeah, I guess 
are just a whole new world that you have to learn about no matter what age you start being a parent. And um, it's just kind of all-consuming as well. Like like Lena said, like we met um, training to be teachers and I only taught for two years. And during those two years, we were in lockdown because of the pandemic. So I feel like my career was just kicking off. And then, um, yeah, now I've had a baby and I just don't even think about school anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Did you expect to have a child in your 20s? Um, Yeah. I I mean, well, I've always wanted to be a mum. You know, I've always loved children. And even when I was a teenager, people used to call me, this is not a joke, (laughs) as a nickname, they used to call me (laughs) mum. I I can see that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So like I was always looking after people and like, you know, like telling them what to do. I guess you could just call me bossy bitch, but <laughs> yeah, no, I, w- I was always looking forward to it. So um, I think that the earlier, the better for me. Mm. That's great. Yeah. Did you then, was it a con- conscious choice to um, have a baby in your 20s? Like was it, and how did your you and your partner decide that it was the right time for you guys? Yeah, good question. It It's really hard to know when is the right time. And the other thing that's pretty wild is that as a woman, you don't know actually how long it's going to take you to mm. have a baby. Like there's just like, you know, you could be sitting next to someone who could have really big infertility issues um, and struggles and then you could be sitting on the other side next to another woman who accidentally gets pregnant first time she has sex. Like, so it's kind of this weird thing that you can kind of plan all you want about when you want to have a baby, but you actually have no idea when it's going to happen. So um, my husband and I, like I said, we got married in 2020. And then we were kind of like, we probably had a year of Um, me staying on contraception and then after that we said like let's just like see what happens when we get off this and and we were kind of just both decided that we were ready at that point and and when it happened it happened and it took probably between six and 12 months um to actually fall pregnant Mm. and I was really lucky in the fact that yeah we happened naturally and I had a really uncomplicated pregnancy so yeah I do feel really yeah lucky yeah I feel like this is a topic that I want to do like a whole other episode on mm. because I I only realised last year as a 25-year-old that how sort of fragile fertility can be mm-hmm. and how much we actually don't even get taught about it as mm-hmm. women and girls. Like I remember sex education at school was very much like, guys, don't have sex mm. without protection because you will get pregnant. Yeah. And obviously great message to send to like 15 to 18 year olds <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and you know also like sexual health and all of that but at the same time there's like a part of me now as a 26 year old that wishes someone had said like your fertility will peak at this age for most people or these are some of the issues you might face when you try to have a start a family these are things to think about because I think we walk through life just being like when I want to have a baby, it'll be easy. Yeah. Or I don't want to do that, don't want to think about it till, you know, your 30s or your late 20s. And sometimes for some people that could be too late. So, mm. yeah, I, that's so a really good true. point. No, 100%. Yeah, it's kind of you learn so much about all of that stuff when you're actually in the midst of it and not beforehand usually. Yeah, and I think you 
it's I know for like for me I've only really learned about it from other people that have gone through it rather than it being something that's like consciously taught to you. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. Definitely. Yeah. Do you ever feel like you're missing out on certain things as a twenty eight year old? Considering your I know you're in your later twenties now. But <laughs> when we me. when Erin and I <laughs> met like I, we met, like she said, during teaching and Erin and I went to the Maldives together and like now it was four years ago. We were parting it up on a boat <laughs> together <laughs> and now our lives are very different. <laughs> yes, so true. Um, also a good question and I guess my short answer is no, I don't feel like I'm missing out. And the reason why is because I feel like I did so much of – um, the things that I wanted to do before I had my child. Um, you know, I took a year off uni and I went travelling for a whole year. I have visited a lot of countries um, with my partner since then. So I feel like travel was the really big thing that I wanted to do with my life. I love travelling and I was lucky enough to do a lot of amazing trips before I had Letty. And I guess that's one of the things that maybe some people who have children who are young might say, you know, I wish I'd travelled more. I wish I'd seen more of the world. I wish I had, you know, studied more, for example. Um, But I just feel like I kind of like ticked off a lot of things that I wanted to do before I had her. And the other thing, like the other part, I guess, of like missing out would be going out partying or like, you know, being really social on the weekends and I don't really feel like I'm missing out in that respect either because I'm just not that kind of person like even <laughs> before I had Violet like the whole you know us going to the Maldives together the best part about that for me was the travel and the cultural mm, part yeah. and I mean you can't drink in the Maldives no, you anyway. can't drink in the Maldives <laughs> no, wasn't, wasn't that much Correct. of a wild time <laughs> oh, I did not know that <laughs> um so yeah it's just it's, it was never like even at 18, 19, 20, I wasn't going out on the weekends and partying anyway. So I guess I'm not missing that part because it's not it's not part of my personality either. Mm. So no, I, I'm, I don't feel like I'm missing out. Yeah, that's oh, nice. <laughs> um, along the same kind of lines, like, have you found that um, you have? Uh, do you still have a lot of friends that don't have children? And how did they fit into your life now that you do have a child? Yeah. I am definitely the first person in my friendship group who has a baby Um, and it's it's interesting because I actually thought that that would be quite a difficult hurdle to kind of get over with Mm. my friends or like you know I thought it might be more difficult to see them or to catch up or they might distance themselves a little bit but the thing is like I have found that my friends have been some of my biggest support people since having Violet Um, and I'm lucky enough to be friends with people who love children, love my child, which is great. Um, and also, um, like a couple of my friends, well, one of, one of my really good friends, she's a nurse. So she works shift work, which means that during the week when most people are at work doing their nine to five job, she was coming over and seeing me and Violet, or we were going out for brunch or coffee. Another friend of mine, she was studying still, so I could catch up with her during the week. So like, it just felt like old times, but in a new situation, like they would come over or they'd bring me lunch rather than the things that we would normally do, like go out or, 
you know, go on trips. We might not do that as much. But it's, it's changed how we've interacted. But definitely everybody's just showed up for me and, and Letty, which has been nice. That's really awesome. Mm. Yeah. And wholesome. as someone who is not a massive baby person, <laughs> I love Erin's baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's pretty cute, but I might be a bit biased. Yes. <laughs> she just always has the biggest smile on her face and she's just happy to interact with new people. Yeah. <laughs> she's not shy. No, definitely not. No, no she loves everyone. She loves attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> exactly. Definitely did not get that from me. <laughs> What about hobbies and stuff? Do you still do things for yourself? How do you carve out the time for errand time? That is definitely the hardest part, I would say. Yeah. One of the hardest parts about like having a kid is you just have no time to yourself anymore and people warn you about it before you have the baby and, and you're like, no, <laughs> you're like, oh, it'll be fine. Or you just like don't really fully understand how it's going to be until you have a, have them. Um, and so I used to play netball every week before having Violet and I'm back playing netball now. It's on a Thursday night with just like it's really social. We're not competitive at all. It's with my sister and, and a group of friends, but even that, like going out for one hour to play a game of netball, which used to be the easiest thing in the world. You just walk out the door with your water bottle and your keys. Now it's just like this whole logistical plan of like, okay, the game's at 7.40 this week, which means I have to breastfeed Violet at 6.40 and you have to put her to bed and I'm going to leave at this time and this person has to come over and help with dinner beforehand because you're not going to be home. Like it is just a mind fuck <laughs> to do something that used to be so easy and fun. So it is, it adds a layer of difficulty, um, but it is still obviously so important to, to keep those things up. And I'm glad that I've gone back to playing netball um, and I really still enjoy it, but it's, it's definitely not easy anymore. And it would be so easy to say, Oh, I'm just going to quit and I'll just stay home with her. But yeah, it gives you energy doing things that you love obviously everyone knows that and yeah it's good for you good for me in the long run I think that's definitely the thing that I'm like most scared about like I I know I want kids um eventually but yeah that scares me like I've big I big part of my identity is like being a runner and I think the same sort of things like right now it's like obviously so easy I want to go for a run I put my shoes on I walk out the door and I go for a run but like thinking about like oh if you have a baby like you have to either work out okay I've got to like take it with me and put it in a pram um or like I've got to have someone look after it for like so I can leave the house for half an hour Mm -hmm. um yeah so it's a bit scary (laughs) yeah but I'm glad you're back at netball and finding ways to do that even if it's more challenging Mm -hmm. um the netball thing is also reminds me of my mum when I was a baby. My mum was a big netballer mm-hmm. and she used to take me sometimes to the netball games and someone would mind me on the side. Yep. Uh, I used to crawl around on the court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when Violet was younger, I used to actually take her along and someone would just hold her. But now, you know, she has a certain bedtime, <laughs> uh, the routine has kicked in. Oh, gosh, it's just, yeah, nightmare. <laughs> um, you spoke a lot about travelling earlier do you, have you done any travel with Violet yet? Um, how does that work? Speaking of logistics. <laughs> yes. Okay. So that was probably like 
you know how I said at the start, like what I'm going to talk about is nothing new. It's kind of universal to all mums. That's probably one thing that is a little bit different um, with me and my partner and Violet. So last year, my partner actually had long service leave for three months and we decided to go overseas with Violet and travel with her for three months um, when she was three months old. So we went to Central America um, from when she was three months till she was six months old. And it was amazing. It was the most amazing trip. I loved it and so glad we went. But beforehand, I was so anxious. And I just I just was like, how is this going to work? What if this happens? And I was like, just like running through my head, like every possible scenario that might happen, like on the plane, in the airport, <laughs> when we get there, like what if she gets sick? And I was just so stressed and I like almost pulled out. Um, and we had a few other issues along the way of like getting over there and the cost of airfares, blah, blah, blah. But, um, my husband just kept saying to me, like, it'll be fine. Children, um, you know, people have children in every part of the world. Mm. There's children that live in Central America. People have babies every day in Central America. We will be fine. Like, you know, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but... What if we don't have access to the medical system or like what if there's no good hospitals? What if we get mugged? I don't know. I was just so stressed about it. But then when we got there, it was just incredible because, I mean, it was incredible because of a lot of reasons. But one of the big reasons was because she was so young, it was actually a lot easier to travel with her then than it would be now. Mm. Because as a three-month-old baby, all they do is sleep, eat, shit, repeat. Like, <laughs> honestly, you, you know, I had um, like a, what do they call it? Like a baby carrier mm. that you wear. And um, every pretty much every single photo we have of those three <laughs> months is Violet just in the baby carrier asleep. <laughs> or me breastfeeding her in these like exotic locations. <laughs> Sitting on by the pool or sitting on the beach, you know, it was it was incredible. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's yeah, really cool. I saw photos of Erin on her trip, and the whole time I'm like, I am in so much awe and <laughs> admiration of this woman who mm. is just kicking goals left, right, and center, <laughs> traveling with a baby. I remember telling mum about it and mum was like that's incredible I'm like I know she's just traveled how many hours I don't know across the world with a tiny human (laughs) and didn't she just sleep the whole time on the plane yeah it was amazing we it was so when we first left we flew over to LA and the flight I think was like 14 hours Mm. she probably slept for 11 and a half of those just like in a little bassinet at the front of the plane I kept having to like get up and look and make sure she was still breathing (laughs) (laughs) I was like surely surely you're not still fine but yeah she was amazing and the other thing like what you were talking about before logistics of travel that was the like a bit of a headache traveling with a baby we had I think in total eight bags or something like that, like big bags. So again, like you can't just like take your carry on or your Mm. backpack and just, you know, strap it on and off you go with a baby. It was like, you have to have the porter cot, you have to have the porter pram, you have to have all these clothes for her because she's going to grow out of the clothes that she fits (laughs) when you leave. So you have to have clothes that fit her at the end and clothes when it's warm, when it's cold and all these medical supplies. So we just, we had so much luggage. So actually the days that we were traveling between places were the most difficult times Mm. on the trip. But once we got somewhere, we actually spent probably between like five and seven nights in most places like for us which is actually quite a long time in each place um 
And so we kind of like tried to settle in a bit and mm. unpack everything. And then once we were there, it was usually worked out well. That's cool. Yeah. I remember listening to a podcast a few months ago and um, Waleed's wife and him were talking about, um, and so that's an Australian journalist, um, and him and his wife were talking about travelling with an infant as well because they had their first child in their early 20s, um, a little bit unplanned. And they were like, oh, we don't, we had all these like, dreams about traveling around the world and they didn't want to give them up so they just went fuck it let's travel with a tiny baby and they said sort of similar vibes like there weren't big parties they don't drink so they were like we're not concerned about missing out on that side of your travel in your early 20s but they just wanted to see the world mm. so they did and they said actually lots of places it worked out really well because people love babies they'd yes. give them like free things they'd let them sit down oh they'd gosh. like <laughs> give them special treatment and that really stuck with me I was like actually that doesn't sound so bad <laughs> so true like honestly I feel like in every country that we visited, we were just welcomed with open arms, you mm. know. I feel like actually Australia is like the least baby-friendly <laughs> place that we've been. Every Like all these cultures are just so excited by children and babies and a lot of them have big families mm. so they like they know what to do with them so for example we went to El Salvador and we were we stayed actually kind of like in a hostel a private room but like a hostel kind of place we were sitting up in the communal um like dining area having breakfast and these local Salvadorian ladies came over and they didn't speak English we spoke a little bit of Spanish and we kind of like you know, had a little bit of conversation, but they were pretty much like saying, oh my gosh, so exciting. Your baby's so beautiful. And then all of a sudden these women were like picking up Violet <laughs> and like holding her and, and playing with her, which was great. And then they started walking away with her. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, oh, okay, well, let's just enjoy our breakfast for a minute without the baby. Like can actually have a chat with my husband. I reckon they were gone for like 10 to 15 minutes. These women had like taken Violet off and like were showing her around to their <laughs> friends and family that they were there with. Um, and then, yeah, they eventually brought her back and we were like just grateful that, you know, <laughs> that's the kind of culture over there that like it was almost like, you know, that that village model, like mm. everybody looks after everybody's kids in some ways. Um, so, yeah, everyone was really excited to see Violet everywhere we went. <laughs> that's a beautiful story. And I think like you said earlier, you know, everywhere in the world has kids and I think – it is like almost a universal language of like children are joyful mm -hmm. and they're there as like an object of like love and harmony. And yes. I imagine that traveling to places with a young child would, would be like that. So it sounds really special. It was. Mm. And like, that's why I'm kind of like in Australia, it's definitely a different narrative mm. that you hear here. You know, it's kind of more like. Um, you know, don't come near my child in case you have germs. Don't kiss my baby. Don't pick them up without asking my permission. Don't give your baby to strangers. And like, you know, of course, of course, don't just give your baby away <laughs> <laughs> because you might never see them again. But it's it's definitely more of like um, insular mm. uh, family unit here uh, compared to what we saw in Central America. Yeah, which I think, in a way, is such is such a shame. I think mm. like. My parents live interstate and so when I think about having a baby, like obviously they'll have a relationship with them but it will be that less of like a hands-on mm. one. And so for me, I do 
have like a fantasy about like, well, who else can be involved in mm-hmm. a child's life? Like what friends are going to be there for me yes. and support? And like, what what is going to be that village? But you're right. I think in Australia, that isn't the natural narrative. The natural narrative is like you and your partner mm-hmm. and the baby. And that's the key unit. And then yes. maybe like some grandparents or aunties and uncles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And like, it's almost, you know, frowned upon to give advice or to help out in some mm. ways because a lot of people may want to just do it themselves or they think that they they know the certain way that they want to parent for example and they don't want people to interfere um but I was definitely never like that I was kind of like yes take my baby like mm. if you can stop her crying do it like if you can get her to sleep on you do it like <laughs> I'm just like I want all the help I can get guys <laughs> and I feel like it's the same when people leave their baby overnight with someone Mm. they like stress about it real bad here I found whereas I was growing up mum would just kind of leave us with whoever (laughs) and at one point I don't know if this is illegal to say but (laughs) back then (laughs) like I was seven and mum left us home alone while her and dad went out to the restaurant and I was looking after my two younger brothers (laughs) Definitely illegal. Is it? <laughs> it was so the nineties. Please don't arrest my mum. <laughs> it was a long time ago in another country. So, um, but did you have that? Do you have that when you leave Letty overnight with someone that's not Chris? That is actually a great question because last night was the first night that oh. she's stayed away from us. So she stayed at my mother-in-law's house last night, but it's kind of like half-hearted because we went out to this dinner until 1am for example and then we came back and stayed at my mother-in-law's house as well Mm, okay so it's kind of like a family sleepover (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah she is still breastfeeding so she's like a little bit difficult to leave overnight with other people because she still needs milk during the night she doesn't take a bottle which is really annoying Mm. um but as soon as she can i'll definitely be handballing her off to anyone (laughs) (laughs) anyone will take her (laughs) (laughs) need to call up the salvadorian people yeah like, please come and look after my child <laughs> i did some babysitting when i was like 14 i got left with like a under one year old which i think is pretty wild i think those parents are very trusting i was yeah. like i don't know i'm still a child <laughs> were their names pascal and lionel <laughs> <laughs> what about returning to work is that something you're planning on doing how do you feel about that do you want to come back to teaching here? <laughs> join me come back <laughs> You are not making it look attractive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Look, I keep flip-flopping with this one. I keep changing my mind. So if um, Letty's having a really good day and, like, we're having fun and she's so cute and smiley and cheeky and she does everything I say and she sleeps well, I'm like, why would I ever go back to work? (laughs) Like, this is the dream. I get to stay home with my baby. And then other days, for example, on Friday, she woke up she cried the whole time she didn't want to have her naps she threw all the food that I made her on the floor like she was just like breaking everything in my house and I was like I cannot wait to go back to work (laughs) um I'm so sick of this and I am going to die if I stay home with you another night another day so um yeah it really changes and depends on on the day but I think so the plan at the moment is for me to go back two days a week starting in July. So I'll be back at school for semester two, just two days a week. And I think that that probably is going to be a nice kind of easing my way back into it and dipping my toe in a little bit, not just going straight back to full time. I think that is going to work well. 
And I think that I just need to, yeah, rip off the Band-Aid and, and get back into it. Everybody I've talked to who's also a mum um, about going back to work have said that it was hard at the start. They might have been a bit reluctant at the start, but once they got back to work, they were always really glad that they did and really enjoyed it. Because, I mean, in some ways, going back to work actually might feel like a bit of a holiday for <laughs> That's mom. what a lot of my colleagues that are mums say. They're like actually coming to school is like a breath of fresh air and you feel calm and collected exactly and I'm like really because school's just really stressful for me (laughs) (laughs) but I feel like if home is stressful then yeah school Mm -hmm. would be a totally different Mm -hmm. environment oh yeah like just like being able to do things when you want to do things like go to the toilet (laughs) (laughs) alone too I imagine have lunch uninterrupted coffee (laughs) go and walk down the street and get a coffee and come back without you know having to to think about when to go and what time is good for her naps and everything Mm. so yeah having that autonomy would be nice yeah I and obviously I'm just projecting um but I imagine as well it's like similar to the hobby thing that in a way going back to work as a mum can be like a another space in your life that you're Mm. carving out you and your identity that's separate from being a mother very true and especially for me like I said like I was in the really early stages of my career when Mm. I started my maternity leave so I hadn't worked for that long beforehand so I think it will be good to kind of get back into that and and not let it just slip away because obviously if you if I want we do want more kids in the future you know um it's only going to get harder if you have two kids, it's yeah. going to be even harder than having one. So I guess I've just got to kind of like get back into it while I can. Do you have career aspirational goals? Not currently. Not currently. Um, okay. I think it's kind of more like what fits in with, mm-hmm. with me and our family um, career-wise at the moment. But, I mean, for me personally, where I work, we have a lot of females in leadership. And it's really amazing to look up to them and, and, and to see what they're doing at our school. But all of them are kind of, you know, in their middle age or, or, or a bit older. And the advice that I've been given over and over again by these types of women at my school is don't rush it. You know what I mean? Like you're never going to get this time again with your family when they're this young. Um, you know, so just enjoy the time with your kids because in the blink of an eye, they're going to be going off to high school or they're going to be graduating high school. So they just keep saying to me, like, your career will wait, you know, if you're in your 40s or your 50s and and that's when you start wanting to climb the ladder or, like, you can get back into full-time work. Like, just do it then. Like, mm. you know, there's no rush. So that that's what I'm thinking at the moment. Yeah, that's really That's nice. a really important reminder. Important. Yeah. yeah, there's no rush. Absolutely. <laughs> One of my colleagues that I work with, he took parental leave for both his kids and part of it was to help his partner out but also the biggest thing for it was that he wanted to have that time Mm. because he said the same thing he was like when am I going to have nine months that I can spend uninterrupted with my newborn child and he said Mm. his second child is actually even more special because Mm. he got to spend that time with his newborn, but also with the two-year-old that mm-hmm. was now a toddler. And he, I mean, he is like dad goals. He like mm-hmm. absolutely loves it. Yeah, um, but he had like, that time for him was like, fuck Korea. Like yeah. I have all the time in the world to make money and climb the ladder, but I'm never going to have this chance to spend that time with my kids again. Seriously. And yeah. it is the thing that comes up again and again when you have a baby. Everyone says to you, 
time flies. It goes so quickly. And even when I was pregnant, people would say that to me, you know, like just enjoy the newborn stage while you can. Like time goes so quickly. And it is so true. Like my daughter's turning one next Mm. weekend and I just don't know how I got here. And I'm already starting to mourn those kind of like early days of her being tiny and she's like trying to walk now and she's throwing (laughs) tantrums and I'm like, where did my baby go? It just, it really flies. Yeah. So I agree with that. Yeah. One of my close friends from from school has a newborn. They're two weeks Mm -hmm. old today, actually. Um, And yeah, it's crazy. Like thinking about it, it's like they will only be that small for like two months and then they're not a newborn anymore mm-hmm. that's like and that's that's nothing oh gosh like, it's insane that's not even a school term for yeah. you teachers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry Lena. <laughs> what's an ad- something you'd tell yourself or a piece of advice you would give yourself just before having a baby um or deciding to try for a baby now that you know what it's like to have letty in your life what would you tell pre-erin like erin that told me that she was pregnant what would you tell her um so i guess like this whole episode i've like really focused on the negative part (laughs) no way (laughs) so i feel a bit bad for that but um i guess the the main piece of advice would be like it's all gonna be fine like and we are really lucky in the fact that she's happy and she's healthy and like she's honestly my my little bestie (laughs) like we do everything together and in some ways it's hard because you don't get time to yourself anymore but i just like i love spending time with her so like just I think I was so anxious a lot of the time when I was pregnant. Like, what if something happens? Like, what if I'm not going to be able to do this? But it does all work out in the end. Um, And, yeah, when you see your baby for the first time, and I know this is such a cliche, when you see your baby for the first time, just, like, all those anxieties kind of disappear because you're kind of like, well, I'm looking at, at my future. Like, this is it. Like, this is what I've been waiting for and the rest of my life is going to be looking after her and that's all that matters anymore. So, um, yeah, just just be excited. And also when you're pregnant, just take some time for yourself <laughs> as well. And I did do that, which I'm really glad about. Like went on a little baby moon and, you know, I went for like lots of facials and massages and like spent time just sleeping in <laughs> because, yeah, you're never going to get that sleep back once you have the kid. It is cliche, but I think there must be a big reason behind the cliche and yeah. I think that you nailed that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Make me want to have a child. <laughs> well, not that's, quite. That's <laughs> something. <laughs> yeah. Well, Erin's such a good mum. Erin is a very, very good mum. Thanks, Lena. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like I said, your baby is so cute that every time, every time I get clucky around you, every time I see <laughs> Letty, I'm like, maybe I want one of those. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do it. <laughs> Just wait a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I wait a long time. <laughs> We asked our listeners um, if they had any thoughts on having children in their 20s. And I just wanted to read a few of them out um, because they're all quite varied, really, like, and more varied than I thought. Mm. Because I think the, like, common cultural narrative in Australia is, like, lots of people, their 20s, it's it's for them. They're they're Mm. being young. Um, So I was actually kind of surprised by some of the answers we got. Yeah. Um, So some of them... Were, were not surprising. Some of them were uh, terrifying. I can barely look <laughs> after myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> and some people talked about never wanting to have kids, which is also something we could do a whole episode yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I liked this one, actually. Someone said, 
more energy to deal with sleep deprivation <laughs> and um, an empty nest in your 40s and 50s sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah the sleep deprivation, it's just like another one of those things that everybody tells you about, but <laughs> you just don't understand it until you're living that life, honestly. Like... And the other thing with with my child is that she slept like an angel until she was six months old. And so we were like, we nailed this. What's everybody talking about? Sleep deprivation. She's this newborn. She's sleeping for seven hours. I feel refreshed. She's great. And then it hit about like six or seven months. And since then, I have felt like a zombie. And like working with half a brain, can't string sentences together. So yeah, it's it's real. Yeah. And behind that cheeky smile that she's got, she's probably like psych <laughs> just, just yeah. wait till 3 a.m we're gonna be chatting uh, there as well <laughs> yeah i feel like that's what my auntie used to say to my mum because i was apparently a really good sleeper as an mm-hmm. infant mm-hmm. um and she was like uh it'll it's gonna come for you whether yeah. it's like at six months or whether it's when they're like eight and yeah. they like wake you up and want to sleep in your bed every night <laughs> exactly. it's coming yeah <laughs> And the other thing is, like, if anybody's listening who is, has a baby or is thinking about having a baby, um, sleep school is a saviour. I had to take my daughter to sleep school. Another hot tip from Erin. What is sleep school? <laughs> I didn't know what it was either. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I want to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's actually where you take your baby and you stay at a facility for four nights oh. um, and four days. Well, that was the one that we went to anyway. And um, we had, like... Um, professionals there like they were all different types of professionals like they might have been midwives or nurses or early childhood educators and they pretty much like teach you how to get your child to sleep Hmm. and how to get them to sleep through the night and it was amazing like it would be like 1am and one of the nurses would like come and knock on my door and be like Violet's awake like let's go together and like get her back to sleep and I was like thank you angel (laughs) because at home I would just get up and I'd have to sit with her and I didn't know what to do so it was amazing and after sleep school Violet slept pretty well but now she's kind of gone downhill again so (laughs) who knows that's really cool I didn't know that was a thing oh my gosh keep it in the back of the mind yeah that's directed to you (laughs) more so than me (laughs) Um, another listener said that they like the idea of kids having them young-ish, uh, but scared of not having enough money and missing out on youth. Is financial stuff ever a worry in your rank? It is one of the biggest things that you have to weigh up when you're about to have kids, like honestly. And I feel really privileged because we didn't have to worry about it as much. We own our place. Like we obviously still have a mortgage, but um, we have that kind of stability of a home and we're both working full time. So we're really lucky to be in that financial position. And But it's, yeah, it's definitely something that we thought about and everybody has to think about because kids are fucking expensive. Mm-hmm. Like, and just stopping work to look after them and having that special time that I was talking about is expensive and a lot of the time that falls to the wife or the mother to do that um so you do have to weigh up kind of like future implications as well and even like going back to work Mm -hmm. um and you were talking about going back Mm part-time I think can be um like that's a financial thing too because you said you're both working full-time before dropping down to like that part-time salary is different as well exactly and if you have multiple kids as well it's not just like (laughs) one year off of work it's like you have to start thinking about the next probably 10 years of your life Mm. and either being on maternity leave going back to work full-time or part-time being on maternity leave again coming back at a different load like it is just 
yeah, it is a whole new world of mm. having to think of logistics again. <laughs> <laughs> and also just like future planning, which you yeah. in your 20s you don't actually think about very often. Like, where am I going to be in 10 years? Like, But you have to all, almost a bit like work backwards once you start mm. thinking about kids. Kids are still a while off for me and my partner, but it, we're starting to look at buying a house. Mm. And even that being like, okay, well, will we have kids in mm. five years? And like, that's going to influence what we try to buy because yeah. you don't want to buy a one-bedroom house and then be like, ah, oh, shit, now I've got to put a kid in here <laughs> as well because <laughs> obviously yes. that's not going to work. Yeah. No, so, exactly. yeah, it's a new thing. Um, yeah. Let's uh, conclude with a recommendation. I hope Lena told you about this. Um, did she? I did. did I did. did. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, good. But Lena, would you like to lead first? What's All your right. recommendation for this um, week? My recommendation is a food item. Ooh. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> is it m M&M cookies? <laughs> no. <laughs> I brought some in. <laughs> I'm saying okay because in my head I was going to be like, and no, it's not a profound recommendation. <laughs> um, food is profound. Food is very <laughs> profound. But these are so good and I don't know why I've waited so long. Um, but they're the brand Little Moon's Mochi Ice Cream, the mango passion fruit flavour particularly. They're very expensive. Like I got them on sale for $8.50 for a pack of six. I ate three of them in the car on the way home. <laughs> sounds amazing. They're so good. Yeah. They are so, so good. Like it's the perfect consistency of squidgy and ice creamy. That's cool. I've never had an ice cream version of them, but I like the actual, yeah. what, how you say them. Mochi. Mochi. Yeah. I don't know if it's mochi or mochi. I yeah. say mochi because it sounds better on the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like them. We're, me and Sam are thinking about going to Japan at the end of the year and I'm like already excited about eating them. They're really mm-hmm. good. <laughs> My one is a video game. Okay. <laughs> so for anyone that um, plays the video games, it's a very cute, very zen one. It's actually an Australian video game called Unpacking. It's a puzzle game um, and you can get it on Switch but also like computer and like a whole, uh, basically a lot of gaming consoles. Um, and it's, literally this little story puzzle game that follows like the life of the character which you never actually see their face you just unpack their boxes of their room and their house from the age of 11 to like their 30s when they start a family of their own and so you get to like follow this little story just by like possessions and it's like pixel art and it's very cute Mm. um yeah it's very cool i liked it a lot yeah it's so cool yeah. Commendations kind of similar to Lena's in the fact that it was it's a bit of a food one. And <laughs> I've just spent like this whole time telling everybody how I have no time to myself. I never go out of the house. But actually, I went out for dinner three times this week. <laughs> <laughs> it's a proud moment. <laughs> Mum's out. Um, and so on Friday night, I went to the – oh, my gosh. I'm just – I've just completely blanked on oh, the Terminus, the Terminus Hotel oh. in Fitzroy North. And I have been to that pub so many times. Um, it's like just near Clifton Hill Station, if you guys don't know it. And it is just gotten better and better every time I go there. Like, honestly, it is one of my favourite places to eat because the food's always awesome. The service is awesome. The ambiance is great. Mm-hmm. Like, it's got this really cool outdoor beer garden, but it's all covered and they've got heaters. So it doesn't matter what the weather's like. You can still sit out there. Anyway, big recommend. You guys should all go there. Mm. That sounds really good. I, sound I think good. I have been there once and I, I really enjoyed it as well. Yeah, I should too. go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Beautiful. Thank you, Erin, again for coming onto the podcast. Mm. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you. Well, see you. I always say see you. We will. You will hear us. You will hear (laughs) us soon. Next week. Bye. Bye.
This podcast was recorded at the Victorian State Library on Rwandri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. <laughs>